0: Rolling. So with breathing, it's. Yeah, people say just roll. And people say, you know, breathe or breathe through your nose. Uh, but it's, I don't think it's as simple as just breathing through your nose. And I I, I, was, I sent out a couple of surveys to, on my, to my mailing list about what, you know, what, what kind of things do you want me to develop on the site? Um, and two people came back to me. And these are people, one of them has been training in Jiu-Jitsu for 13 years. Another, I think for several years, he didn't say, but he was a purple belt. And they both said to me about gassing out. I gas out, right? So the question, <clears throat> I sent them both this same question that, okay, what's your resting heart rate? First of all, tell me your resting heart rate. If your resting heart rate is at a certain level based on your age and your weight, As everyone knows you've got a good indication of what your CV fitness is, Right? So then if you've got a good resting heart rate, then you can start looking more towards breath management. And there's, you know, there's, there's other factors as well, how big are you, how muscular are you, you're carrying a lot of fat, all, all those things. But I think everybody everybody gets this, where when they do a competition at some point in their career, they'll blow out. They'll, they, they'll be fine, they'll do 15 rounds. Like for example, we can do up to 15 rounds on a Friday when we spar over an hour and a half. And yeah, people are tired, but people make it through it. And then they go; they do one five, six minute fight, and they're dead. They're dead to the world. So there's something to be said about. I think for, specifically for competition, we can we can talk about. I think you you can't allow your body to go from zero to hundred and expect it not to hurt. So I don't I think I don't think people will warm up. Yeah, please. I don't think people will warm up enough before a competition. I've made that mistake once or twice. And I see people, they'll warm up, they'll do a couple of stretches, they'll, you know, do a couple of jumping jacks, and they're good to go. <laughs> 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 oh I know friend. we laugh, right, but it's so it's so fucking true, right? People do jumping jacks and, like, touch their toes or whatever the case may be. Um, and because they're worried about burning out their energy. And I'm like, fuck that. You'll, you'll, you'll spar in the week. Five nights a week, you'll do five, six sessions per per class. And you're worried about a 10, 15-minute warm-up burning out all your energy. It's, it's not going to happen. Right, you've got all the reserves in the world, but if you don't get your lungs, um, your lungs going, you don't get the heart rate up. It's a shock to the system, right? You're going to get that adrenaline dump. So I think that's important. But the the breathing one is, and we'll talk about this book, right? The Oxygen Advantage, because that's well, we'll get to that. That's really kind of reshaped the way I've been thinking about breathing. And when when we did the yoga class, and when you were teaching me yoga the other day, I was listening to your breathing and I I very much come from the background And even the breathing course I've got on the website at the moment um that free breathing course I may need to re rest- some a lot of it still applies but I may need to restructure some of the lessons based on what um based on what I'm learning but the idea is and I we will we'll do a little test to put this put this on your finger for me while while I'm talking so he's put in a it's called the pulse oximeter on his finger and it's going to tell him his heart rate but also the blood oxygen saturation levels and the idea being that when we, so your saturation is 96, okay? And I'll, I'll measure mine now, and it's, and he's got a very good, healthy heart rate of 58. Ladies and gentlemen, as well, Simon's a very fit guy. And we'll see what mine is now. 96. It's the 96. My my heart rate's gone up to 78. It's <laughs> so severe. You're excited. I, You're I'm excited, excited and it's going down <laughs> 73, 70, 69. We're, We're losing him. He's not excited <laughs> anymore. But, um,. <laughs> But the, the idea being that you've got you've got so much oxygen in your body already that then we we tell people and particularly within Western breathing and let's talk about the book right. The book is called The Oxygen Advantage by Patrick McKeon. He's Irish. I'm probably given my Irish heritage. I should be able to pronounce the name, but I can't. Um, or maybe I did. I don't know. Um, he's going be faster, McKeon. McKeon. something so I think pro, you're, you're probably more right to
1: the guy from Venezuela. Um, We're used to try to imitate all your accents. So yeah, yeah, yeah. For you, it's probably like, oh, no. Nah. can you? How can you tell the difference? That's very true. How how many times people ask you like, are you Australian? Are you Irish? I
0: get Australian, Irish, South African, Scottish, Scottish yeah. Canadian, sometimes depending on where I am. Maybe not, not so much in the US. Yeah. yeah.
1: Once you say about,
0: everybody's about. like, all right, you're not Canadian. <laughs> <you're laughs> it's, it's all the boots. not Canadian. <laughs> um, <laughs> so the book, right, Oxygen Advantage. So we both measured ourselves and we've got 96% oxygen saturation at the moment. And um, and in as well. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> so his heart rate is 402 um, no. <laughs> and we've got 25 <laughs> percent yes, So then be. we tell people to take take a take a big take a, take a deep take a deeper breath and what he's what he says is um 96 there you go it's like that's it's what most people are between 95 and 97 I think is normal. So you say to people well you d- d- to breathe deeply but you've got all the oxygen that your body needs already. And what I learned as well from reading this book, and I'm still only about halfway through it, is that you know carbon dioxide is a waste product from producing energy in the, in the body. And a lot of the need to breathe is because we've got carbon dioxide in our system. And one of the things that I thought for a long time is you've got to get rid of all that carbon dioxide by breathing in deeply and breathing everything out. But apparently you still need to maintain a certain level of carbon dioxide in the system because it it's... Um, uh, and maybe you guys know this already, but it performs a function of taking oxygen up from the blood into the body. So when you breathe too much oxygen in, we kind of we're too high in oxygen and too low in carbon dioxide. So by breathing more, we actually get less oxygen in mm-hmm. our organs. So the whole the whole idea of this the whole idea of this book, and the whole trade the whole breathing method is to teach you to breathe less, and you do like you, you would say for example, just sitting down. A small nose breath in, a small nose breath out, and you really focus on the diaphragm to make as small little movement as possible. And and then you would pause for five seconds. Then you go a small nose breath in, out and do that two more times and keep doing that. And you'll feel the urge to breathe, but you reduce the body's sensitivity to carbon dioxide. Mm-hmm. So you don't feel like you need to breathe so heavily. Then you build it up to walking and then you build it up to exercise and stuff. And the whole idea is you train your body not to get rid of all the carbon dioxide. The other thing is that our cells are more permeable
1: or sensitive to carbon and, um, Oh, it's, uh, um, yeah. Carbon dioxide than oxygen. Mm-hmm. So like, that's why you die so easily when you do the, the hose. Oh yeah. From the, from your car. Yeah. From, <clears throat> yeah. Cause you don't even feel it. Your mm-hmm. body just lets it in Yeah. and it, it, it crosses the, the, um, uh, spinal barrier, like super, super, super easy. easy it know. kills you. Mm-hmm. Wow, that's morbid. <laughs> it is. They call it the sweet death, too. Really? It has a. You, it apparently the last thing that you taste is sweet. I don't know who said that because I don't think anybody came back from it. But <laughs> apparently, whatever. Um, no, but they have rescued people. Chemo- the chemicals. Um, the chemical uh, blend that happens in your body when you reach in that state. It, Apparently, it's so maybe it sugar, a, a sweet taste. So maybe yeah.
0: sugar is good. It's the body's <laughs> way of telling you, so you shouldn't
1: hear all those chips
0: ahoy. <laughs> um, but it's, this, so this book is it's quite a recent thing for me, and I've been really big into like, developing breathing patterns for jujitsu. and regardless of what breathing method you use, I think people that, if you mouth-breathe or nose- nose-breathe, when you mouth-breathe, you typically are breathing from the chest, mm-hmm. which creates tension. Yeah. Um, which makes you more stressed, which is going to make you, you know, more tense when you row, which is not a good thing. But you're using the top of the lungs as well, rather than the bottom of the lungs, so you're not getting the full amount of oxygen into the body. Um, and it's amazing that uh, once you start focusing on your on your nose breathing, how often you'll you'll breathe, you'll you'll roll with someone, and you'll realise how much people are mouth breathing mm-hmm. all the time. And you can look around even after a warm up, during a warm up. I do this all the time, and you can. Um, or after a roll and you look around and you see nearly everyone's breathing through their mouth. Nearly everyone. And it's just a really ineffective ineffective way to breathe. And partly, it, it, partly it's because we're not taught this stuff off the mat. And I think if you don't train this stuff off the mat, trying to remember doing that when you're worried about your arm being snapped, someone strangling you, your leg being ripped off, mm-hmm. and all of these other things. That shit goes out the window, totally. Unless you train it off the mat to kind of to kind of build to kind of build yourself up. Yeah, um, I I was kind of lucky.
1: I ran into this when I started losing my voice down in Florida. Really? Because I was in this band and we were doing Thursday through Sunday, mm-hmm. Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, three four hour gigs. So my and you know playing mostly covers. You yeah. Have to do from Zeppelin, go to Three Doors Down's, to Guns N' Roses, to Pearl Jam, to Journey, you know, all, all kinds place. of shit. Yeah, so your range and your vocal cords just are like, what are you doing to me? So I went to a speech therapist, and she told me, you have to learn how to breathe, relearn how to breathe, like a baby. Mm-hmm. And she told me, you're gonna instead of gasping for air mm-hmm. from your mouth, you're gonna breathe through your nose and send the air to your diaphragm. Mm-hmm. And then push it out. And that's how the notes come out. Because I was doing something. I was singing. And she's like, sing as loud as you can. Just hit a note loud. And I was like, ah. And she showed me the ultrasound, Mm -hmm. the video. My vocal cords, they're supposed to flap when the air current passes. And that's what's supposed to make the notes. My vocal cords were like this. ah, Not moving, not vibrating whatsoever. She's like, you're pushing everything. And straining That's why they're so tight. Mm. You have to push the air up so they vibrate. And it's going to give you more tone and more everything. And then that's when I really started like, oh, now I'm singing. And then, and that was five, no, that was more eight years ago. Wow. Even though I've been married with Terry 10 years ago. And then when I moved over here, I took lessons with Sal. Mm. And Sal is kind of like... The guy that's responsible for me being more conscious of breathing, getting into yoga and then into jujitsu. Really, This guy gets me one day in one of our vocal lessons. He's, he's like, uh, I hope you don't get weird about this shit.
0: You know, I've been I, watching
1: you breathe. I, like, What's going on? He's like, you are by far the tightest person I've seen in my life. Yeah, yeah. you have to relax seems so chilled. You have. oh that's now yeah. but before it was just like cringe all the time so I literally laid down mm. on the floor in his music room and we started doing uh, Go fast. meditation <laughs> meditation and uh, breathing exercises to relax and I was like whoa this is pretty impressive and then when I started doing yoga everything came together Still, on the mats, yeah. it's it's hard because I think it lack of knowledge is always going to get you in trouble, mm-hmm. you know? So, like, I can be rolling with you and keeping my composure, but it's just about the time when I start to think, air quotes, that I slip that arm that you don't even need because you're going to get it anyways eventually. <laughs> but you're like, oh, look at this guy. Boom. And you're like, fuck. Like, you. Christmas. Yeah, right? So, but I do realize that You are one of those people that when you roll with, it's like, it feels like I'm not rolling with anybody besides the fact that this guy's putting all his 200 pounds on top of me, but you can't hear him breathe. He's just going through the motions like he's not even there. And i roll with other brown and black belts that you can still hear them. Try, you know, like, yeah. And, but it's just like, all right, this guy has this shit mastered, so.
0: I need to get some. I like like to try, Uh but I manipulate and I I manipulate your breathing. I specifically, I'm saying you because I've done this when we roll, but I manipulate everyone's breathing, in particular, sit sit, uh, positions, particularly in side control. If I can place my sternum pretty much on your sternum, or kind of maybe roughly where your diaphragm is, and you learn to angle the body where I'm maximizing as much weight through my sternum, so I'm hardly touching the floor, and all that weight is kind of going through my sternum. And I think I've got. My, my rib cage kind of sticks out a little bit. So I've kind of, I'm kind of particularly my body's particularly suited to do this. Yeah, I, think okay. anyone, I think anyone can do it. right? <clears throat> so I'm pinpointing all the pressure I'm driving off my toes and then I wait to hear you breathe. And mm-hmm. as you breathe out, I breathe in. So I'm, f- I'm, I'm filling the space that, mm-hmm. you're, that you're taking away and I'll sink in even further. I'm yeah. sinking. And I sink do that again and again. Like, um, you can't make, you can't, you can't make everyone tap with that. But you do it enough, and particularly if you catch them at the right time, there's one or two things that happen. They either tap, or they they're going to go get the fuck off me, right? And then you can know which arm's going to go up, and you can catch the arm, mm-hmm. and you can do that kind of stuff. Um, but there's, there's something kind of satisfying when you get into a position with someone, and they're breathing through their ass, and you're you you remain fully fully calm. And I think there's. A couple of things that uh, I've noticed the more and more I focused on nose breathing, and, and the two things I'd mention would be definitely I think you have more mental focus when you roll. You're more present and you're more in the moment and you're more thinking about the process rather than the result. So you're, you're not really you're not really thinking, shit, how am I going to beat that person? And then you forget all the steps. You're thinking, okay, my hands here, my hip's there, control their head here. And I think I'm also a lot better to, able to react to stuff. And you know, training on the mat is different to competition. And my goal with my goal with competition actually is always to try and win. But yeah. um, there's all, there's yeah. you know there's learning goals and stuff in there. But my ultimate goal with competition is to be able to roll exactly the way I do in training in competition and have that same kind of mental focus. So the the more high pressure the situation, I think the harder it is. So it's kind of there's that whole mental training behind it as mm. well. Not just kind of not just kind of the technique and Kind of go, going off on a tangent slightly, but often you can put people that actually. May say let me say this another way. Right, you look at you look at black belts, right? Your top top level black belts. I'll go and watch the watch the worlds, and I'm not saying right like I can compete with these guys. They're awesome, but typically all of the techniques they're using, at least in my weight class, you know, if you look at the lighter like weight classes, I'm not it's not my game, right? But in the higher weight classes, I know all the techniques that they're doing but it's just that it's the way that they execute it, either because they've done it so many times they're, mm-hmm. they're a lot better, or they get themselves in the right headspace. And I'm not saying that they they are necessarily using breathing. So I think people overlook a lot of the mental side of the game as well. Sometimes you've got all the techniques that you need to have, right? It, but it's just kind of, you know, then putting yourself in the ideal kind of performance state to bring all those techniques out to you. And I think breathing is a good way to do that. To, you know, particularly if you if you can get that managed in competition as well, that's like gold dust when everyone else is yeah. stressing out. If you can stay, it's that, and it's the balance. I think of. And I'm still I'm still trying to get this right in my in my head. That balance of you don't want to be too relaxed, but you don't want to be going freaking completely balls to the wall, right? Totally. You, got, you want to have the, you want to have that balance where you know you you you've got really good reactions. You can take anything that comes at you. You can really put it on someone if you need to, but you're still kind of you know very re- very clear in your mind about what's going on almost I, th- I forget there's a Japanese term for it But it's um almost like fighting without emotion I mm-hmm. like and Tom is brilliant at this you fight with Tom and it's almost like he's not thinking right well When he can when he kind of beats you and he's very good You can see he controls his breathing Well, Tino is very very good at it as well and it's um You know the first time I fought him it was like fighting a fucking ghost
1: it <laughs> was honestly. It
0: was like he, he was like he wasn't there. You know, it's, it's so so tough. Yeah. If you can get that kind of you know my tech, obviously you've got to have the technique as well. But I think what separates good people and great people in Jiu Jitsu is not necessarily just the technique, but it's the mindset and having that clarity of mind to be able to execute everything as they want to.
1: Being in that state, right? That yeah. competition state, that it's almost like you're flowing. Mm-hmm. It's a it's a constant flow. Everything you do, it's just like. Yeah. You see the opponents attack Like miles away yeah. it's, it's crazy because I haven't been there In that position at least But sometimes with some music gigs It happens like that yeah, like, You know like everything Just keeps building and building Everything just comes flows. so easy and, and, and flows Yeah, And with yoga That's one of the biggest things of it That I always tell people like, Don't get into it for the spiritual purpose mm-hmm. and for the having that asshole entitlement feeling like, oh, I'm so much better than you. I do yoga. <laughs> do it for the physical relief of the stretching. Yeah. And then endorphins will kick in. And once, when you really feel that one day, how fucking awesome it is to be breathing like this, just pressing on doing this that I'm doing, that'll do it for you. And then you can even go and keep doing yoga on your own yeah. for the rest of your life. You don't have to pay anybody. You don't have to pay me. You don't have to take classes, nothing. You do it on your own for your own benefit, and it feels fucking amazing. It's different in jujitsu. jitsu You have to go and roll and <laughs> keep learning and improve <laughs> yourself, right? Suffer, yeah. The gentle art. Gentle. Whoever <laughs> came with <laughs> that fucking term. <laughs> Bullshit. <laughs> Everyone, Everything hurts.
0: Oh my God. It's so hilarious. Everyone's broken. I know. I think you, you I think you hit the nail on the head. with so many, such a big element of motivation about with the yoga. Once you hit that point, you've then associated a feeling of pleasure with that activity. Mm-hmm. So when you think of that activity, you think of pleasure. And my, my mother-in-law was talking to me earlier and she said, oh, did you like sweets and chocolate and stuff as a kid? And I was like, yeah, like anyone else, you know, I said, well, do you find it hard not eating stuff? And I said, yeah, you know, now and again, I'll look at something and go, oh, that looks tempting. But mostly I've associated the feeling of how or what my body does when I eat that shit with an, a, a displeasurable feeling. And then I've associated eating something like drinking like a kale juice with how I know my body feels after that. So I've associated pleasure with it. And I think that's like kind of the crux of so much motivation. And
1: it's crazy because you sound like an asshole when you say that, right? Like <laughs> I just had my super kale shake in the morning. I'm like fuck I feel you! Fucking amazing. But it does make you feel so good. Yeah. And there's just no other way to go about it. Yeah. Like I drink coffee almost every single day. Yeah, me too. And now I'm um, I started a a new routine. Before my coffee, I'll have water with lime or lemon juice, with a pinch of salt, and apple cider vinegar. Me too. I do the, I do the exact same thing. Boom. Warm water? Sometimes warm, sometimes oh, regular. Warm. And then I'll have uh, like 15, 20 minutes after that, I'll have my coffee. Yeah, And it's just such a huge difference. Yeah, And I was reading, and apparently what the salt does, it's to help you retain water yeah. to prepare you for the rest of the day. It's got minerals in it, well. and especially because we lived in California, we got our ACs cranked, mm-hmm. especially this season. That shit dehydrates you and dries oh, yeah. you out so bad. That's where you get those like dry noses, and if you breathe through your mouth when you sleep, you wake up and That's yeah, my so,
0: yeah. I had a, a guy that used to work for me, and just just talking about my breakfast habits. I didn't do the lemon juice with water at the moment, and I said, oh yeah, I drink and a pint of water, first thing I do every time I get up. And he was like, Oh, you should drink a pint of water the first, first first thing you get up, almost like it was a hard thing to do. I mean how fucking easy is it to get a pint of glass, walk over to the top, fill it with water and mm-hmm. drink it. Yeah. it's well, like about the easier thing right. I can think that you can do in the world. That's probably words. why a lot
1: of people don't do it. <laughs> maybe, maybe it's too easy. Yeah. You know? And think about all the all the coffee machines have those time setters. Yeah, you can just put your coffee there the night before. Whatever you wake up, bang, that shit wakes you up, and all you have to do is and drink it. When drinking water is so much easier and so much healthier for you, it's, it's just it's just crazy. It's a paradox that that we live in.
0: Explain the dump valve, the dump valve breathing. So that is. That's maybe one of the things I may need to adjust after reading this new stuff. Not entirely, because I still think it serves. I still think it serves a purpose. But the idea behind it is that it, it, it's still true that when you're exercising, you exercise very intensely. Carbon dioxide is is a byproduct of the energy production, and people are people are very very focused on breathing in and try and get the oxygen into their body. So the dump dumbbell breathing is a way to go. And get out, get out some of that carbon dioxide, and then the the, the in breath takes care of itself mm-hmm. because you've pushed the diaphragm out. The diaphragm is just going to is going to um, retract or react. I'm um, forget or the, the reflex. Sorry, the reflex mm-hmm. of the diaphragm then is just going to be to go down and to pull the air back in the lungs. And it's a much easier way, I think, to recover. And you do that, say, kind of two or th- two or three times. And for me, it, I've done that in competition, you know, f- 50 times, mm-hmm. you know, I'm tying my belt and I'll do that breath a couple of times, five, 10 seconds later, I'm good to go. And I, and I do that very, very regularly. I think now the, way, the more I'm learning about, about breathing, I think that applies when you, re, you know, do very high intensity activity, but you want to try to bring your breathing back down to normal the okay. course, as quickly as you possibly can um, is the adjustment I may need to make to the lesson on that course. But that's all that is really it's very very simple it's just it's just a way of getting, just to push out more carbon dioxide get, get, get rid of some of that excess carbon dioxide and then you think people are gasping i've got to get the air in i've got to get the air in but they can't get the air in because they, they've got to get rid of some of the carbon dioxide first and then you do that the body takes care of the in breath mm-hmm. you do that two or three times and where i don't know where i got i got that from but you see you see a lot of the brazilians do that when you train with brazilians um well I train with quite a few Brazilian guys over in the UK. Rodrigo trains with us. You mm-hmm. see him doing that kind of breathing. You have to
1: see a guy doing yoga. Mm-hmm. It's like he is a master yogi. Rodri- Rodrigo? Yeah. Really? Because of how he's so used, and I attribute this to his jiu-jitsu, mm. how he's so used to being present when he's rolling, Yeah. and everything is like a flow. He's so good, man. When he came here the first time, I and he did you meet uh Alan? Yeah, I'm Alan. Okay, Al- my ass. Alan. I had Alan, Chad, Rodrigo, and I think Sal came. I was so impressed with how relaxed, yet how strong and flexible both Rodrigo and Alan were. Really, like, yeah, because that day for some reason. I like cranked it up a little bit. So it was more towards the Ashtanga yogi kind of class. And these guys were doing it like nothing. And I think I heard from, I don't know if Rodrigo or Chad told me that Alan is uh, big into capoeira too. That dude, you've seen how he's built like a fucking bull. Yeah. And he's flexible as shit. But when I saw Rodrigo, I was very impressed because he was just like locked in. Relax. There's a lot of poses that I discovered with time mm-hmm. that it's not about how flexible you really are, but how relaxed and kind of like permissive you are with your body mm-hmm. to go to the post. And he had that. I was like, wow, that's... And then I was like, of course, when you see him on the mats, he's there. He's when very, he's rolling, he's he is there. You know, it's like you see a lot of guys there and I mean... That academy is just tons of talent. People that keep getting better and better. But there are certain guys that, when you look at them, every time that they that they're in there, they're locked like very present in yeah. what they're doing. And I was impressed with how they were breathing, mm. how relaxed they stood like throughout the whole um, session. And and Chad is another one. Chad is Chad is like the workhorse. Yeah. You know, he's probably the guy that shows up and kind of looks like he's the strong brood energy kind of guy, but he will put himself through it. And, tough, and oh, man, he's so good. He's like, I was so impressed when I when I see like videos and then he told me his whole story about when him and Tom opened up Carson Gracie here he was with, there before Tom, wasn't he? I think they started, like, very, very close, yeah. maybe Tom a couple of days after him yeah. something like that. And he told me that when they were blue belts, they were just wrecking all the tournaments around here. Because I thought that Chad was new to jiu-jitsu, maybe a couple of years. Then I go to his house and see a, a, all the trophies. And, all that shit. and I'm like, this is pretty quick. And then he told me the whole story about... Um, how he had to stop training, you know, yep. his family yep. when the first baby came up and everything, and then he came back. And another thing that I see there, it's that the ego is buried.
0: Let's talk, let's talk.
1: Let's <laughs> and, talk in people. a big way, but no, let me finish this point because okay, okay. it'll be, I don't know if, I don't know what, what, would be like the appropriate word i'd have to ask him i didn't ask him that that day when he was telling me the whole story about it but to walk in to go back there right Mm -hmm. and you walk into the gym and the guy that you started training with is now the guy that's the professor the black belt and you're like fuck i'm a blue belt yeah you know but he's he's making strides he's and he's going to be a super kick-ass black belt whenever he gets in. He's so good. His knowledge. And uh, I, I don't know. There's, there's some magical thing about jujitsu that mm-hmm. even I haven't found, even in the yoga community, especially when it comes to ego, when it comes to just really every day we put ourselves in the position of teacher and student. Mm-hmm. constantly. It just goes back and forth. It doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. And it's so easy to do that transition without being uncomfortable or without having to be like, I don't want to do this. I don't want to have to be like this, you know? And the support in the community is so much stronger than any community that I've been related to, whether it's music or yoga. It's it's something very, very special.
0: Yeah, I, I remember when I, when I used to play rugby. I played rugby for Like fifteen years, and I remember someone commenting while I said I'd moved from rugby to to train jiu jitsu, and they said, "Oh, that's interesting. You've moved from a team sport to an individual sport." Now, rugby is a team sport. Absolutely right. You play. You have to play with the team. Jiu jitsu, you compete as an individual, but it's without your team, you're nothing. You're nothing, and it's it's maybe more of a team sport than the team sports. Because the the people that you're on the map with day in day out, and how well you get to know those people, it, it's it's incredible. And mm-hmm. right? it, it gets to a point where you can. They always do the jokes and the memes about you know your Facebook feed, where you know you look at your wife's Facebook feed, and it's it's pictures of kids, this that, and the other. Mine's just all jujitsu stuff. <laughs> <laughs> because slowly your friends just all become jujitsu totally, friends. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it, it's it's a it's addictive. But I'm not sure, so I've been thinking about the ego, right, a little bit. Mm-hmm. We can go back to the breathing very quickly. I think Jiu-Jitsu helps you control your ego, and it helps you, that voice in your head, right, that says, oh, you're shit, you're, you suck, you got beaten by a blue belt, or whatever the case may be. It helps you control that, but I don't think I don't think it gets rid of the ego entirely. No, I. you can bury it, but that's son of a bitch coming up. Not the All get, the time. Is it's always never going away. You know? It's not going away, going away Yeah,
1: You can bury it and hide it, cover it. But at the point, if any given day you go tomorrow there and a blue belt or purple belt taps you, you know
0: it's coming up. It's like, Lawrence, how dare you? How oh, dare you? you what happened? <laughs> what happened? But the ego is what tells you to go, you know, you got to go train today. Your ego is what tells you. Uh, no, you've got to go. You've got to do your mobility. The ego tells you, "No, you better not eat that in and out burger." I'm looking at you. You better <laughs> not eat an out You got to have that kale juice instead, right? Yeah. So the ego works works both ways, but it, it, it's that it's that ability to, like, eat. I know you meditate a lot, right? And I meditate, I meditate a lot too. Um, and that you like you know, to you you become more of an observer of the ego mm-hmm. rather than. You can separate what you are from the voices in your head. Yeah. And I think everyone has that. But too often you think that the voices in your head, because you're saying them, it's true. But it's not that you can you can you can start to separate those. And I think that's what it puts you maybe more so you're never gonna get rid of the ego, but I think what jiu jitsu does so well compared to everyday life. Everyday life you can pretty much Follow, you know, a little bit of discomfort here and there. Follow down, you know, a fairly smooth path. But Jiu-Jitsu makes you, has, you have to confront your ego. Every day. Every single yeah. day, right? Head on to put, it forces you to, to go into those situations mm-hmm. where you have to deal with it. So that's, that so becomes a great learning. To For remember. me, it made everything that they talk
1: about in yoga, mm. about being aware and mindful. Yeah. I think jujitsu opened it up. So much more than mm. yoga itself.
0: I think you, because you've only done Jiu Jitsu for six months. Yeah, six, seven months. And you you seem to have a much deeper understanding of these kind of concepts I, that I know that I did when I'd been doing Jiu Jitsu for six months. I was still worried about when I was going to get my next bloody stripe. Mm. You know, I'm kind of in that kind of mindset but well, I wonder if that's from, do you think that's from doing yoga? You should, I, I
1: think so yeah. because I've, I've never seen it like that, you know, yeah. like for me to stand next to you at the mats and like, just to fathom the idea of when am I going to have my fucking black belt? Like, Lord. And by the way, when I have it, he's probably going to have like his coral belt. He's still going to smash me. So what's the <laughs> point of, of even worrying about that? You know, like you go there and you see the guys and it's like, when I see people on the street, I, d- I don't go like, Oh that guy's a blue belt or oh, that guy's a brown belt. I know they do jiu Jitsu. I've rolled with them or I've seen them practicing, but that's not like the like the mindset that I that I came into it at least and I think yoga helped mm. a lot. yeah but at the same time with yoga, I was feeling like I started like splitting from the community because a lot of people and maybe it's social media too had that super assholey approach of entitlement. Oh, look at my headstand or my headstand with my pinky and shit like that. (laughs) And Lululemonco, whatever the brand is, is paying me money to go to Costa Rica to do these seminars. And it's just $5,000 of your lovely money. I'm like, this is not what I got into this shit about. And when I got into jujitsu, I kind of felt like I had this big target on my back because Mm -hmm. of yoga I kind of felt like everybody would be like, well, that guy's a bitch. He does yoga. Let's go and beat him up, you know? So I kind of started thinking, like, I need to find a balance between being so calm but not being the same grump asshole that I used to be before. Yeah. So I started talking with Sal, and he's like, I think you should do jiu-jitsu. That would be pretty good because Sal is, like, the most mellow dude in the world. Yeah. I have, I have seen that guy mad once mm-hmm. and I've known him for close to eight years. And, uh, I was teaching at AJ's and they literally canceled my class the Tuesday morning. Cause that was the only spot that Tino had to teach them the week. And she's like, we're going to have to cancel your class. And I was like, cause we're going to start jujitsu. And I was like, fuck Yes. Let's go. And she's like, Really? You want to do it? And I was like, Hell yeah. First yeah. day I showed up, I didn't even have a gi or nothing. So Kai brought one, one of his geese. Like, Oh, I got you. He brought one of his skis. It was like as soon as I walked into on, on those mats. I'm like, Oh, it was. I, I compare it to the first time I ever got on stage and the first time I went to the yoga place where I did my teacher trainer course. So it was from that familiar sensation. I was like, All right, this feels like home. It's going to be good and having tino as a teacher yeah. it was even more amazing and then when we were uh taken under the carson gracie federation and they said like oh and you can go and train at headquarters or wine country too it's like fuck yeah. can this just get any better give me my black belt already <laughs> <laughs> but yeah you know it's it's something that not a lot of things like that take you in life music's another one and bring you you know if you perform as a musician
0: i've think I, I never performed
1: yeah that takes that and the wifey and the kids take the top yeah but the other things that you really use to like because sometimes i think we lose our base in Mm -hmm. life our base gets weaker and you start like shiveling you know like shaking and then you can bring stuff to complement that to help you like Mm -hmm. sustain you a little bit and i think yoga and jiu-jitsu have done that for me Mm -hmm. because the music is i think music is just so crazy you know like everything there's a window of opportunity and there's so much like the odds for you to for me to be like the next Dave Grohl or have a band like pearl jam something like that it's just like so fucking crazy especially nowadays how the music business is so you always need something more Tangible, something that you really feel closer, and then it's more attainable. I can go and train any single every day. I can't go to Wembley Stadium and start strumming and (laughs) wait for 90,000 people to show up that day, right?
0: Like I kicked out. Yeah. Um, I'm going to tell you a Wembley Stadium story now, but I won't. Your your music goals are different, though, right? Someone like me. Like for me, I just I just love playing the guitar, and I'll be honest. I was in I was in jujitsu one one day, and Tom Tom was there, and I was like, if I had to choose between playing the guitar and jujitsu, I don't know which one I would pick. But that kind of come that kind of comes and goes. And for me, I just want to be the the guy that, let's say you're you know you're in your local bar somewhere, and the local band is playing. They just got a blues night, and they go, oh, "Do you want to come up and jam?" I would just want to be good enough to get up and just jam and just like, oh man, that guy's I can, can can hold a tune. That's my goal, right? Okay. So, but you but but you I'm taking your word for that, right? And next that, time we're playing uh, uh, <laughs> and you uh, uh, show up,
1: you're getting up there. Or in the key of E though? <laughs> yeah, E minor, please. E, e
0: minor, E minor. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's lovely. Um, but your goals are different, right? So, it depends what it's maybe a little bit like with Jiu Jitsu someone. Okay. I said, I said, right, I want to, wanted to start my own podcast. And I, I put a post up on my Facebook page and had a lot of comments. And one guy said, yeah, we should talk about your motivation and how you keep going. And it's I think it, for Jiu-Jitsu in particular, your motivation, my motivation as a white belt was different to a blue belt, different to a uh, purple belt, and is very different now as a black belt. And likewise with your music, right, your why, the reason that you want to do it, it's kind of it's kind of very different. So then I think you know what you want from Jiu-Jitsu is is going to determine kind of how you approach the training and actually what you end up getting out yeah. of it. For
1: me, is most of the shit I've done in my life I've half-assed, half acid Really? Yeah. So that's why you know that when you go there, once you start half-assing, anybody can show up and choke you and fuck you up.
0: But I've I've only you know? met I've only known you for about six months. So it's funny that you've, there's two things that you said to me that surprised me about you. was one that you said everything, you just half ass stuff or used to. And the other thing was that you were like a really stressed person. And both of those, I would have said you're on the complete opposite end of that spectrum. And that's
1: thanks to yoga. Music has helped a lot, uh-huh. but music gives you a lot of bitterness. It can give you a lot of bitterness because of the whole spectrum of being a musician. Yeah. You know, it's like, So who are you? What band? You know, I don't know who the fuck are you? So in my eyes, you're not a musician. Something like that, you know, like people I think don't take into consideration like Mm -hmm. it's just as fucking hard as studying for a degree. Yeah. Sometimes even harder. Mm -hmm. Because if you go and study, whatever's in that book is gonna be on that test. I can lose sleep for months and months writing. Recording, producing a song, an album, a video, and I put it on YouTube. There's no rule book And after two months, ten views. Nobody fucking knows Nobody about cares. all this work. Nobody cares. Nobody cares. Yeah, you know. So it's like, then you have to start really realizing, finding your medium, your mm-hmm. happy, your happy place. It's like, okay. And when I started working at Riffs, where Sal works also, that clicked another switch. You work with these kids. Yeah, that I never have. I never had the balls to go five, eight years old. Dad, give me a guitar. I want to play like Hendrix or something like that. And these kids come into the lesson with these huge voices. And I'm like, wow, I didn't have the balls to do that. I didn't have the confidence. So that kind of magic really puts into perspective. Like mm-hmm. maybe the purpose is not playing Madison Square Garden or Wembley with your band sold out. It's to pass it along. And when I see the love that my girls have for music, yeah, that's like, I can close that chapter in that way. Yeah. I'll just force them to record my song and make them famous. <laughs> so I can get a cut. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, it's, it's, there's st- it's stuff like that, you know, and the same with yoga. Mm. Like I really, I was like, okay, so you go and pay 2,500, however much you pay for a trainer, teacher trainer course, then you have to make that money back. And you going to open your own studio or join another studio. And then it's just like, oh, we'll put you on the sub list. Whenever the other 10 guys can't show up, we'll call you. Yeah. And you're just the waiting game. And what do I do? So I'm going to be a yoga teacher the rest of my life and not do anything else. And then when you start teaching people and really seeing like, this is what it's about. It's about giving back. And that's the important yeah. thing in jiu-jitsu too. Yeah. The giving I- back is so beautiful because you can really go there and just stand in the center of the academy. And every time a roll is over, next, or you come here, you're the yeah. black belt. You can pick us up anytime, <laughs> or whoever you want. And that's it. And you don't even have to bother about teaching or giving advice or anything. Just go and strangle... A guy, how many times I can? Six minutes. All right, let's go. Let's see if I can beat my record, you know? But it's not about that. And you notice that very, very quickly. And I think that's just, it's beautiful within a sport that it's supposed to be so physical and so maybe like power driven of like, I'm going to submit you. Yeah. And there's no mercy in that. And that's the beauty of that. You can choke me, strangle me, armbar me, whatever. And it can be with brute force with just leverage and it can be subtle however you are defeating me in uh-huh. in a sense but it doesn't feel like that every time yeah when it feels like that it's like oh what he did there it's fucking amazing how do you put that leg over here when you're there you know and all that i think it's not every guy not every guitar player will be like slash won't be like this is the way i approach playing my solos He'd be like, "No, kid, go and learn yourself, Fuck <laughs> <off>. right? <laughs> go and steal less pollen." <laughs> Listen to that Japanese
0: guy. I think you, you you've, like you made a good point of lot well, about giving back. And I, my my background, my education was in psychology, and I made a decision through towards the end of last year, I was going to take a completely different direction in my kind of. I've got a day job right at the moment, um, but I'm trying to kind of build up BJJStrength.com as, as a business. And I was at a point where I was going to completely shut that down and do something else and pull more of the psychology background in. And I decided that actually following a path of you know going down the, the, the jujitsu road, eventually I want to have my own school and I still want to do the BJJStrength and all, all of that stuff. And my, the decision for me about why I wanted to go down that path was I felt that I could have the most direct positive impact on people's lives through jiu-jitsu. Mm-hmm. It was, in the, it was um, a, at least in the foreseeable future. And I've only realized that when I started teaching. And I did teach classes when I was back in the UK, but now I do it a lot more regularly and I've got to teach on, teach on Monday mornings at the moment. And I think it was, you know, Mike, Mike Stewart, shaved head, beard. Oh, yeah, yeah. So when I was... There was a, a moment when I taught, I taught him something, and then he came back the next day and he said, "You just kind of completely changed the way I look at arm bars from close guard." Um, and he said, "I call it the game changer now." And he was just so kind of so happy, right? Mm-hmm. And, the, and just having that positive impact on people's lives. And when you start to get to know people, everyone on the map is they are just in the gi, and yeah, okay, there's a bit of a hierarchy with the belts, but it, it's fairly a, it's a fairly flat hierarchy. I think especially in the, especially in this school, but pretty much everyone's equal, right? Apart apart from that. Um But then when you start to learn about people's backgrounds and you're like, shit, you do this and you do that, you've gone through all of these different things and you're still you're on the mat and you see what jujitsu does for mm-hmm. people's lives and that ability to be able to to give that to someone and to give that to people is it's a really exciting prospect, right, to be able to do. It. I love being there and teaching kind of like on a Monday. I, I'd love to teach every day, right, mm-hmm. but you know, you've know, got a family to feed and bills to pay and stuff and have the, the, the kind of a day job at the moment. But ultimately, to be able to do that, and particularly with kids, I think that I, I expect that to be really rewarding to see a kid come in at a certain point. And I know there's a guy that trains up with Orlando and Menifee, mm-hmm. the Carlson Gracie School up there. And this guy, um, he came in as a 14, 15 year old, you know, real, real tall, real skinny. I think he'd been bullied at school mm-hmm. and so he threw himself into jujitsu and you can see him, right? He's got like so much potential. He's like, he's a, he's a, he's a, he's a killer on the mats. And you, I think the whole confidence grows and to see, and to have, to be able to share that with someone, right? To be able to give someone that, it's like, it's amazing. Yeah, you know? it is. It's great. This, the breathing
1: thing, I think it's something that it clicks. And if when people really get to manage that, their game is gonna just skyrocket so yeah. much. So you said you you're gonna do an adjustment to the I the think. dump valve. So what are you thinking about about the the exhale? Changing the exhale or because you said that the in
0: the inhale will kind of like take care of itself. The inhale will still take care of itself. I think the exhale is. I think you've just got to put a limit on how how much you do that, and then try to bring your breathing back back to normal quite um, quite quickly. And to, to I'm looking at this pulse oximeter, right? And I need to kind of play around with this and kind of see how it how it how it impacts like the, the blood oxygen saturation level because when you're when you're training. Um, When you use the breathing methodologies in this book, and I I measure with this pulse oximeter, I was been just doing jump jump rope skipping, Mm -hmm. and doing it for two minutes. So I'm doing small breath in, small breath out, small breath in, small breath out, and then hold for about five seconds. Pardon me, while I'm still skipping, if I would just do normal skipping, I can go for about seven or eight minutes. And yeah, it's tiring, but I'm okay. I do two minutes of that, I have to stop. It's because I can't breathe I can't breathe anymore. Mm-hmm. And when I measure the, like the blood oxygen sat- saturation It's down to 90% Okay, and that's apparently been at 3000 meters altitude is the equivalent of mm-hmm. so you that so it's, it's really so I can recreate that altitude like so
1: quickly. I saw you posted something about it But I quite didn't understand it. Yeah, so the idea
0: is that what out the way altitude training works I'm not an expert on altitude training by any stretch it just stimulates production of red cells. Red blood cells, right? And kind of your body your body is essentially working with less oxygen, so it's got to work harder, right? It's kind of the, the basis of it. But if you can use these breathing techniques to bring yourself down to these kind of oxygen saturation levels at sea level, you're essentially putting yourself training at two-altitude training. Okay. Um, and the, the interesting thing as well is that a lot of the research into high-altitude training says train low, live high so, uh-huh. so you're not over stressing the, the the breathing system but then you you live at high altitude where so you then have the the, the, um, the benefit of the increased red blood cells so if you do this kind of these kind of breathing techniques and introduce that into just you can of your everyday training then you should be and i mean i don't mean you know holding your breath when you do right i mean like you know walking around going for a light jog Or you know doing bodyweight training, whatever the case may be, then you know is that going to make you more effective on the mat. And uh, you've got to kind of test these things out and test these things. Because a lot
1: of guys do it just all the opposite. When they do training camps, they go to like Big Bear or the guys that live in Denver. They're just used to uh, that altitude. Yeah. So there's. Different ways of doing things, right? Because there's a certain time of adaptation, too, that the body needs. I think so. And then the results can go away also mm-hmm. because of the exposure at being at sea level. Yeah. So, it would be ideal, like, if you're training altitude and you're fighting in Vegas, like, for example, UFC guys, yeah. they have to be the whole week in Vegas yeah. for fight week. Yeah. So, it's like they're losing all the benefits of, of training in altitude. Yeah. Because they're not, they're away from altitude. A whole week, or even before. Yeah. Plus, they're
0: cutting weight. Yeah. And that's the worst shit that they can do. Yeah, that's pretty bad. Um. Yeah. Potentially. Potentially. It's um. I'm not sure exactly what the research says on 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 those kind of things, but it's. I don't think jiu-jitsu in general is really poor when it comes to sports science and having actual data to back up exactly what you should do in terms of in terms of training. And I saw someone recently who's, and this guy's, he's a friend, he's a two-time world champion, um, which is, you know, he's way more successful Jiu-Jitsu fighter than I am. So not to knock his, his methodologies, but he put something up and said, oh, overtraining is a myth, you've got to kind of overcome the mental barriers. Okay, maybe that works for you, but for, the, you know, the 99% of other people that are looking at this, that are kind of a white-blue belts and you know, purple belts, you know overtraining is real right you can look at studies where they've tested people i think that's a judo judo athlete actually where they put them through a a certain a certain training routine and they measured their power output i think they looked at the stress hormones in their body and some of the muscle damage markers and there's clear evidence that the power output was down their cardio was down Mm -hmm. so overtraining is is is, is, is is a real thing and i've seen it where um Two people at our gym, right, two, two very, very good competitors in the adult division. And a week or two weeks before the World Championships, they come, in, they come into the mat and it's like, oh, I can't train, my legs are too sore from lifting. What the fuck are you doing lifting right. that heavy two weeks before? So, you know, do a little bit of lifting if you're used to it. Or they start lifting six weeks before the World Championships. Definitely. You, know, you know, you start lifting 12 months before the World Championships to put the program in place. So that that that, oh, that research is there for other sports, and it can be applied to jujitsu. Mm-hmm. But people are not applying it to jujitsu. Um, I forget the exact point I was trying to make, but with the breathing techniques as well. Right? How do you? We've got to really, you know, you. Could, there's nothing wrong with trial and error, right? And there's nothing to say that just because you haven't got a scientific paper to say that something works, yeah. that you shouldn't do it, right? There's loads of shit that we can't quantify with science, but going, but we but we know it works. But try to be a bit more intelligent about how these how these things can be applied and it's you know like the altitude training you know what does it mean for a fighter to be at high altitude to train and then at low altitude versus the other way around weight cutting and all of those things that and they're hard to measure as well you know mm-hmm. because you, how do you how do you have to how do you have a control group with someone that does that training and doesn't do that training sorry you're going to go and fight in the cage but you're not allowed to do this training for the next month right and it's like, no, hang on, Yeah,
1: it's, it's tough. It's basically that. And considering that that sport called MMA, it's so relatively young. Mm-hmm. It's 25 years is what the UFC just turned, right? 25, yeah, tw- something tw- like that. And still, you have championship level guys missing weight, yep. getting concussed, yep. getting fucked up during mm-hmm. training. So, I mean, it's, and there's no guarantee. Imagine mm-hmm. if we hurt. That we're rolling and taking care of ourselves as much as we can, doing mobility, stretching, yeah. releasing, and everything. Yeah. Now those guys, they go through a brutal beating from the moment. That, I mean, all the time. I don't believe, and I, I, I mean, I do believe it because I see it. But those guys, that fight is over, and they just let themselves lose for like four, five months until they sign the next contract. Yeah. I'm like, well, that's terrible. Yeah. When you see guys like, it's not the same sport, but Ronaldo, Messi, those guys don't get injured. LeBron James is a great example. Okay. That awesome. guy is working out all the time. Do you follow him? Uh, I don't, but I'm a big basketball. Check fan. out his workouts. Really? That dude is a beast. And mm. because of the type of workouts that he does, you can tell that it elevates his mental game because mm. they're, they're tough and they're not tough and like, all right, you're 260 pounds. You should be able to bench press three, 400 pounds, whatever. No, it's get on that stability ball, pinch it with your knees, put some kettlebells here. And on top of those kettlebells, I'm going to put other, that's another amazing. pair of kettlebells. And that's where you're going to do your shoulder presses and don't move. Don't shake in the middle.
0: You're like, what the fuck? <laughs> That's so two, too hard. So there's two there's two things, right, that you can pull out of that and how you should apply it for your training for gypsy. The first thing is let's talk about the stability ball like, example. And I think you've seen it, right? He's balancing on the ball with the two cattle mm-hmm. But what he's doing with those kind of exercises is the weight he's lifting is not gonna be It's not gonna be that, that heavy, right? Oh no, no, it's probably and, 10, 15 pound kettlebell. But it's real fucking hard oh, because yeah. he's working all of the small, all the small superficial, not the superficial muscles. The Stabilizer. the stabilizing yeah. deep muscles mm-hmm. in the body, right? Not the superficial ones. Yeah. And it's, they spend, I bet that most of his workout is going to be on stability type, type work, activation of the right muscles, alignment of the body. A lot of rather, bands. Yeah. Rather than just lifting it. It's about, I think people see that kind of stuff and will go, Oh, yeah, I do a little bit of that to warm up. But actually, those guys, it's just, he doesn't need to put any more muscle. He probably doesn't need to be that much stronger as an athlete. He can improve his his power, but he will look on, okay, are my glutes firing properly? Have I got the right stability in my ankles, my knees, and my hips? So it's those little things that you almost think are just a warm-up, almost become... I haven't sat down and broken down his workout, right? But the more and more I realize as I get older... And the more I kinda of study the stuff is that it's those stabilizing muscles that you don't really think about until something goes wrong Yeah. so important. And the other thing that you talk about was that maybe some of the workouts that maybe not LeBron, but let's take MMA as an example where people say they'll see a training montage. People are doing hill sprints, they're doing tire mm-hmm. flips, they're hitting the sledgehammer with, with um, hitting a tire with a sledgehammer. So it's this high intensity type cardio workout and they go Right, that's what I need to do in the gym for jujitsu. But I think the key thing that people miss is that if you're an MMA fighter, and probably if you're a LeBron James as well, you know, in the in the training, the training they do will be a lot more technical. They don't go balls to the wall mm-hmm. in the training because because they can't. But in jujitsu, how often do you go flat out in sparring? Probably every time you train yeah. about five or six rounds. Mm-hmm. So you've got you've got that high intensity type training there already you don't then need to tax the same energy systems when you're off the mat as well. So I think there's, I don't know. I just
1: think management, yeah. Energy management
0: completely.
1: And, uh, for you know who he is the head, uh, for Oh yeah. Yeah. GSPs head coach. Yeah. He was talking about, I think the exact point he was making is he makes or he finishes, uh, fight camps with plyometrics Mm. and that's how he makes his athlete's peak Just standard periodization.
0: standard periodization yeah.
1: power yeah you know? absolutely it's the power he's like he knows how to fight already he has his con- his condition is up to is where it? he can go five fives so now he needs the power
0: to stay there what's well, the plyometrics is, is 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 power but it's also slightly different to power as well right because power is more Power would be more, uh, you know, maximum force generation over speed. So where you're, mm-hmm. you'd be, and I know you know this, right? But for the people listening, right? you would be, say, lift it, doing, you know, doing a, power, doing a power clean, four to six reps, max. When you see people doing 20 jumps, that's, that's crazy. That's not power, yeah. right? Plyometrics is different. It's about the reaction. It's mm-hmm. about the ground reaction. Yeah. So it's almost a stage further behind. So plyometrics and speed. And then can you see it's typical periodization would be, you, know, you develop strength first, then you do the power, then you do apply metrics and speed and agility and that kind of stuff as well.
1: Yeah, I've, those, uh, a lot of how, and I think it's, I want to take your point of view on this, how we've gone on that circle, we're going back to fundamentals, mm. a lot of medicinal balls. Yeah. Kettlebells. Russians have been using kettlebells for ages. Now it's
0: right now it's all oh, the trend in, in America and worldwide. People, and fa- people are fucking that up as well. Oh yeah, people are massively fucking that up. They've got they're they're, they're doing they're, they're doing kettlebell swings and then doing a shoulder raise with it. If your kettlebell is light enough for you to do a shoulder raise with it, it's nowhere near heavy heavy enough to work out the hips and the glutes. Mm-hmm. You 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 know what I mean? Yeah, by that. totally. But, yeah. And I um I remember Chad posted
1: a video about doing the the swing, yeah, the kettlebell swing, and then I think you and Coach uh, John Davis commented on that. The first thing that I told Chad is I've never seen anybody doing it like you did it. Mm-hmm. Which John told me that's the correct way to do Because I wasn't swinging the bell away with the reach to create the proper alignment and the stretching and activation of the muscles i was swinging it from under my hips yeah so i was feeling like i was flying i'm like i'm killing this fucking kettlebell thing and when i saw that video i was like i'm not with the one well, chad posted. yeah you? yeah yeah you have to go and check it out and i've seen that and it's just i was like okay i and i think he has his uh kettlebell certification yeah, he used to work with pavel no. Oh, he did,
0: yeah. Yeah, he's, yeah he, you know, Paul you know, pa Satsudin. I have mean, heard him, yeah. He's like the godfather of kettlebells, right? And he's the one that's um, he's credited for bringing kettlebells from Russia to, to the West. Okay. Let's call it. Right. And he's, yeah, he used to work with him. And I think Strong First is his company. Okay, so cool. So he used to travel around and, and do a lot of work. with Chad with kettlebells, really. Not
1: yeah, not sure. he's, re- he's really good and really knowledgeable about it. But, yeah, that was the first time. And I've seen other guys putting videos up. They're literally swinging the bell, starting right under their hips, and then going just like fucking crazy, doing 20 reps or whatever. Yeah. I'm like, oh, well, that's there's a there's a the technique and fundamentals. Mm. It's the most important thing. Mm. If you don't have those down, that's when you hurt yourself. Yeah. And there there was something about it that I I felt it wasn't right. Yeah. Maybe it, I was doing way too many reps with a lot of weight and everything, and yeah. it was like I was like I don't know. This looks like too good to be true. It's and I stepped back, and it was like kind of like magic. Two days after that, he posted the video, exactly.
0: and I'm like, oh, shit, now I see. Yeah, people, I think the biggest mistake that people make is well, the two biggest mistakes, not three biggest mistakes. You can't have three biggest mistakes, <laughs> only one biggest <laughs> <Talked> mistake. <up. laughs> There's three big mistakes. You're out. Is, is hey, yeah, you're done. Um, they bend minis the too much, uh-huh. um, it's all about the hinge and hip, right? It's all about the hip drive. The second thing they do is they're not driving through the heels, so you've got to you can almost they rock forward onto their toes, so you can actually pick your toes up, which forces you to keep your heels down. And the other thing is that your arms need to be loose. People try to pick the kettle down at mm-hmm. the moment. Yeah, um, and I've I put I put a video up recently where I had a bander on my waist. Okay. Um, I'll, I'll show I'll show it to you when we're off air, right? And so the and the idea behind the band behind the waist is. When your when your hips are towards the top of the mo- of the movement, the kettlebell is actually light dust. Mm-hmm. So you've lost the resistance; it gives you that extra resistance the Oh, top. Okay. But I see people put a band around the kettlebell, so they swing the kettlebell and put and, and so the resistance is on the arms, mm-hmm. and it kind of defeats the object because when you start when you when you start pulling up with the arms, isn't that super dangerous to put yeah. on the kettlebell? Maybe
1: I don't know. Because if it bounces, there goes your back. Because the first thing you're going to do is your back's going to go loose. I wouldn't advise it. Yeah, totally.
0: The safety thing I hadn't really thought about, but more what you're doing there is you're relying on the resistances against then against the arms. At the top of the motion, you don't want the resistance against the arms, but it's it's from the hips. So the biggest mistakes people make is they, don't bend, they, they, they bend their knees too much, they don't drive from the heels, and their arms are not loose. Your arms should be like ropes. And the the best, one of the best ways to train, I think, the kettlebell swing is, you put a towel between the kettlebell. Because when the towel is between the kettlebell, you've lost your, you've got a hinge. Mm. You can't pick the kettlebell up anymore. Oh, that's good. It teaches you to keep your arm, keep keep your arms really loose.
1: So it it makes sense that that's how Hmm. people do it, right? Yeah. You tighten up your arms, but then you bend your knees because you don't want to compromise the lower back. Or the hips. Loose arms. But when you're doing it correctly, mm. that's what's doing the drive. Yeah. And I see that. People tend to bend their knees when they do it. And I think oh. it's like the try to avoid the, the pull on the on it's the, the th- lower back.
0: Fourth thing. Fourth thing I'll add in there. There's so many mistakes. I see, I see. Well, one of them is people wear big, thick running trainers. And mm-hmm. so you're going to do kettlebell swings, barefoot, really thin shoes. Maybe I started a, doing that. Maybe a pair of Converse. Right? I see people... Lifting with running trainers on mm-hmm. is like it's bullshit because you've got the every the found. I'm, I'm getting really big into foot strength and foot activation at the moment. Um, but particularly with kettlebells, any movement that we perform on our feet, the foot is the foundation for all the movements. If you haven't got a solid base, that's it. You can't expect the glutes to activate properly. Yeah. and So not only is a thick shoe going to deaden the sense and the activation of the foot when you're doing the swings, but also it's going to throw your whole body alignment when your heel is raised or when your heel is raised, your knees point in slightly Mm -hmm. forward and everything, everything comes out of line and it's those. Add that to your
1: natural imbalances uh, that you can have because of injury or just because of your job or
0: whatever. Yeah. you're you're, 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 You're stuck in, you know, You're stacking bricks on top of a you know house made of cards. Mm It's just not going to work. And it's those. And someone I met, I I met a guy recently, um, young guy, um, Albert Simon, his name is, and he's 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 a. uh, I won't call him a personal trainer, but he trains people. But he's not like he's his his thought process on how to train people is all about using games and alignment and activation, and a really real real smart guy. And he gave me a quote. I think really fits really well with so many things. But the example of wearing a, a thick sole trainer when you do a kettlebell swings. Mm-hmm. So it's micro adjustments that have, um, macro expressions. So you make that micro adjustment and activate the feet and take the shoes off. Mm-hmm. It has a macro expression through the body in terms of the way that you do things. So he gave me that quote that I'm, I'm he said I could borrow it if he's listening. to That's this. cool. That's cool.
1: Because, A lot of the things that happen when you get into training Mm. is you end up abandoning because you're carrying so many imbalances from whatever it is, from an old injury, an agon injury that you never healed properly, your line of work, Mm. sports, whatever you, you used to do before. And you see guys at the gym and they're lifting in the mirror, in front of the mirror, and they're doing shoulder press whether it's with a bar or with a dumbbell, and you see one arm is higher than the other one, and those guys are like, fuck it, I'm getting jacked. And they're all, like, leaning on one side, and you're like, dude, you're going to
0: pop one of your shoulders. Can I, can I talk about something here? Right? So I'm, I've am i been I've been writing an article, and this fits in really well, and I think you you think in the exact same way, so I think you're going to appreciate this. So I've been re- writing an article, and it's like posing a question of, a complete system for physical optimization. Mm -hmm. Um, And physical optimization, let's be fair, whether it's Jiu-Jitsu, it's American football, it's tennis, it doesn't really matter. The kind of things you need to focus on are going to be the same, but the stuff you would prioritize and the stuff that you pinpoint are different based on the sport you do. Right, so, you know lower back problems are going to be well, are going to be really common in in, in, in in many places. Actually, I think there's a lot of similarities between tennis and jiu-jitsu when you start breaking down the kind of mechanics that you use. Um, but maybe there's more shoulder problems in tennis, as an example. Um, but you need to focus a bit more on the hips and jiu-jitsu. So, mm-hmm. but, the, but the point I'm trying to make is that there's so much information out there. I'm trying to kind of build a framework that I can use, that I want other people to use, to get them to ask better questions of themselves. When you go, okay, why is my back hurting? Um, Or actually, I'll use a, a, a real example. When I was speaking to someone online, they 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 fucked their knee up. But what they didn't realise is that the one of the reasons why they fucked their knee up is because they had tight abductors. Their mm-hmm. glutes weren't and They had weak feet, so they don't realise that all these things are tied together. So if you've if you've got a, a proper framework to reference, when you know that something is wrong, you then know what questions to ask of yourself to try to fix it. Isn't that what they call the valgus syndrome? Uh the valgus fault valgus when your, fault. When your mm-hmm. knees when your mm-hmm. knees come in. Yeah, yeah. Um, but this this is the fr- I'm writing this article at the moment, right? I, it's I don't know, but it's kind of gives us a framework that we can start using. So I think breathing breathing is the foundation of everything, and I think we probably could have. We've only scratched the surface yeah. with the breathing here. Actually, we could probably talk about it more. But then what we started talking about now is what I call activation and alignment. So once you get your breathing right, then you've got to make sure that your right muscles are activated. And typically it's going to be the glutes, it's going to be the postural muscles of the spine, and it's going to be the core, but also the feet, activating the feet. But then you've got to make sure everything is aligned. And when it's alignment, it's not just looking at someone from the side, Everyone sits up and say alignment. Yeah. <laughs> like, looking, oh, like, like looking at looking at the head, the shoulders, the hips, knees, and through to the toes. But also, you were talking about someone lifting a barbell. So is one shoulder higher than the other? Look at yourself from a 3D. Is your one hip further forward than mm-hmm. the other? So like, it's like a 3D alignment. Then from there, then you go. I think mobility is the next pillar, and you don't work all of these separately. Mm-hmm. But you know, yeah, you I have to create like an integrated system. Yeah, but you may prioritize one over the other depending on what someone someone is. But at least you know, okay, okay, I know you're aligned and activated properly. But if you've got hip mobility problems, you've got tight hip flexors. And then from there, once you know those things are right, then you go, let's get you moving properly. Let's get you doing some crawling. Let's get you doing some walking. Let's get you doing some running. And I think those are almost kind of fundamental before you start doing strength work. And then you do power and speed work. And then you can start going into conditioning and CV. So there's the, and then there's one other pillar would be like off-the-mat stuff that you do. Like mm-hmm. I'm quite conscious at the moment. I'm probably not sitting in the best posture in this chair. But one example would be that I see people training, and then they slouch in a chair off the mat, on the side of the mat. Mm-hmm. Or they don't look after themselves in the terms of nutrition. Or the mindset stuff that we've been talking about. So I think there's all these like these eight pillars that if you're, let's say you're just coming into Jiu-Jitsu, um, or my shoulder hurts for some reason or you're all been in jiu-jitsu for years and you're like, okay Where can I take my performance to the next level? You can almost look at this as like a check checklist and go Hang on. I could improve my breathing. Hang on. I'm not activating properly Hang on. My mindset's not quite right so to give you those reference points mm-hmm. and almost like a checkbox list to know Either where you're going wrong and what you just to maintain yeah. yourself or to push yourself to the next level Totally. And I think it's just like
1: no point in avoiding that Mm. because it's just like we're talking about a lebron james Mm. arguably whatever debate that's good for just morning sports tv if he's better than the other one or whatever the biggest talent that has ever graced a basketball court Mm -hmm. is that guy he has it all yeah power strength ability speed Mm -hmm. everything He's a master doing assists, driving the ball. He can do it all. But he got to a point where he got himself a trainer, and he's like, I want to be fucking better. Yeah. You're like, wow. When you see those guys, it was like, Kobe is one of the first guys that started that. Mm. And because on his generation was probably the last generation that really wasn't like lifting or doing anything. And he took Bikram Yoga. That really? was his approach. Because he was getting injured and somebody told him, like, well, you're super, super tight. Yeah. And you're a super strong guy carrying a big frame. Mm-hmm. You need to, you know, connective tissue needs to, we call it like you need to allow it to breathe because connective tissue doesn't have blood irrigation. Yeah. So you need to, like, let that loose so it can just, like, like swim in their own juices and whatnot. And he started doing Bikram. Mm. Then other guys started doing yoga doing dancing, uh, mixed martial arts, or kickboxing at least, because of the hips. All the movement in basketball, you know, changing directions and all that, a lot of control, stabilizing muscles and all that. Mm -hmm. So, they took all that approach. And when when you talk about all those pillars, if you do just one thing, it doesn't matter how good you are doing that thing. It's the only thing you do. If the other thing doesn't work, you're in a bad shit of luck if you find if you go and fight a role against a guy that he's good at everything Yeah, if not not only at the thing that you are good at, yeah. you know, so the I think We have now I think social media helps a lot because it makes a lot of people look at like all right. I've been working out But mm-hmm. I'm not working out like this monster or I've never tried to do this these kind of things So people are more open now to try different things mm-hmm. It's just about how far your ego is going to let you go to admit, like, if I do that, if I put myself through that, I can be better. Yeah. Not only from the physical point, but from the personal point, there's so much growth to see that because we've probably been walking out with imbalances half of our life with rugby. Oh, yeah. All the impact. That you've had, yeah. you know, you're probably dragging a shoulder or a hip, mm-hmm. something like that. And then we get surprised when we go to a chiropractor, and the guy's like, "Your leg is five inches shorter than your left leg." You're like, "You got to <laughs> back of an yeah. eighty-year-old." Like, no, I, it's not. They're exactly the same, you know. But once you get aligned and everything, it's just crazy how you walk out of there, and you're like, whether you believe or not, in mm-hmm. you know, Cairo and other techniques to adjust not only the spine, but to give the muscles that um, appropriate or optimal length that Mm -hmm. they need to be, not in a constraint all the time. When we're in balance, there's one muscle that's pulling one side, and that's just creating a lot of tension, overload, and the body starts shifting. And then blink of an eye, you're rolling one day, your back hurts, you pull it, you go MRI, bulging disc. And yeah. it's not one, it's two or three, one after the other. Yeah. Because that pull was just too much. Yeah. And your body warned you six months ago, but oh no, I gotta go
0: and kill myself over there. All the sitting, man. Know? All of the sitting. People sitting down for work, people sitting in sitting the drive everywhere. hmm Like I'm I I do all of my work at home pretty much. So I've got a standing desk. And I've been doing some of the you know, where you were showing me the warrior pose. Mm-hmm. I do some of that, but with my hips lined up to the desk. So I, start, okay. I play around with different stances mm-hmm. when I'm standing up and working on the desk and stuff, because so much, so much sitting. And, and most people, I think what people don't really realize is the average age of people coming into Jiu-Jitsu is probably in their mid-30s for a lot of people. yeah. So they've got a lot of years of abuse on their body of either not training or actually not loads of, or, yeah. or loads of training that's just been kind of battering their body and because uh, mostly it's probably lifting a lot you know? of it, a lot of it is going to be lifting and i'm a big fan of strength work i think you can never be too strong but you've got to balance it out with everything else and do the right kind of strength work and the internet is a great tool but i think there's so much information out there unless you really want to dig or you've already already got the reference points mm-hmm. um, in terms of you know how the how the human body works and how this information fits in And you have that filter to be able to cut out what's good and what's not good. If you're just someone that's coming in and is going to go on YouTube and do a little bit of research yourself, you may be lucky and you may find something. And, you know, it's not to say that you don't see a workout and you're not going to get results from it. But unless you've got the complete framework of how it fits in with everything else, maybe you're fine. Right. But maybe in two or three years time, because you haven't been stretching out those hip flexors and your glutes are really weak you've just been doing, you know, all, all of the beach muscles or whatever the case may yeah. be. I think more people are smarter than just doing beach muscles. But unless you you know you've got someone pointing you in the right direction, you know, two years time, your lower back goes and like you said, you've got two or three bulging discs. Yeah.
1: Um so all, that's the thing with personal trainers. Yeah. People want to go and it's just like we were talking before we started with doctors. You want to go and get prescriptions. You want to go and get jacked. You want to go and look good in the bikini bigger on your shirt or whatever, but if they don't correct your imbalances, they're
0: just fucking you up for life. My 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 friend my friend's a personal trainer. Um, I know some, actually a lot of the guys I worked with the trained with in, in in London with personal trainers. And actually all of them are very, very good at being on the other end of the spectrum. Um my, my buddy um he's Jack G, Jack Jitsu, if you're gonna look him up on Instagram. <laughs> and he's very much with we we've talked about it you know some people want to come in and they they have a prescription from a personal trainer they want to walk they want to crawl out they want to get a real blast of a workout and he'll throw a little bit of that in but he you know i think at first find it very very hard to get people to go no look we need to do some of this kind of you know just activation alignment stuff we need to work on your core we need to mm-hmm. work on your hips we need to do these we need to do these kind of things and you can still add in some of the hard work but do it in the right way And at first I think he found it hard because people tend to look for a certain thing and you really had to stick with his guns. And, you know, eventually, you know, the the client base is there and he's kind of doing really well for himself. And it's that, I know, you've done a lot of personal training. Yeah. And
1: people don't realize that when they start doing, when they start training and they start hurting, Mm -hmm. the first thing is that just like, you have a shoulder imbalance. Yeah. I can see it when you're doing a pull-up, when you're doing a push-up, yeah. when, even when you're doing sit-ups. I can see how you're favoring one yeah. side. So it's normal that once you start applying force to it, the muscle has to shorten up more with more tension. Of course, it's going to hurt. Mm. Automatically, if you don't go to the route of, let's fix your imbalances first, they're going to blame you for hurting them.
0: Yeah,
1: And they'll get, they're they're going to quit. Yeah. which if that's your best line of business, you're gonna lose more people that you're gonna gain But at the beginning, it's just so hard It's like if you go to the doctor and he doesn't write you a prescription and just tells you eat healthy sleep more Go out stay outdoors Relax this and that and come back in three months. See how you're feeling if you've lost some weight or blah blah You'll be like fuck this doctor. This guy's a chump. I need some pills you go to a personal trainer, and the guy doesn't tell you we're gonna get you jacked in six months like nothing. It's like if he tells you get on that Bosu ball, see how your balance is on your left leg, you're gonna be like I don't like this guy. There's no, and they leave, they drop, they they don't want to keep doing it. Yeah,
0: and there's no immediate result from it. The immediate result that they can see or feel.
1: Everybody type is different. You have to work everybody different. Every you know you, you have to approach. And that's why that f- those first sessions are so important because mm. you have to know what you're working with, mm. you know, and if they don't tell you, it's even worse. Yeah. If they don't tell you like, oh, I hurt my shoulder playing football in high school or something like that. Or I had surgery. They're just like, get me Jack, get me Jack. You're yeah. like, all right, here we go. And boom. And it, it falls quick. And like, I'm telling you, they won't come back. Yeah. I've lost a couple of people and I'm like, well, I told you I had an imbalance. <laughs> You are going to go pull ups, all right. No, fact. Yeah, no you're
0: Yeah, we'll to-
1: we're good. Is there anything else you want to add? So it's bjjstrength.com,
0: bjjstrength.com on Instagram. On, on that's the website, that's, yeah, the, website, that's right? the website, Yeah, Instagram is at bjjstrength. At bjjstrength. Then Strength. I've got a Facebook which is bjjs. And C, I I think it is strengthening the mission end. Okay. Let's go on the website, it's all linked. All right.
1: And there you have, so far I received, I think, three classes or three te- three lessons, right? The dump valve. Yeah. And then I couldn't check the other two, but I know I checked my email and they were
0: in there. It's, there's, there's, there may, there's four. Oh, there's four? Okay. And, and there may be a surprise bonus one, but I don't want to spoil the surprise. All right. So
1: let's talk a little bit before I let you go about the, you were talking about when we were doing yoga, how are you comparing? I don't know if you said my breath or like the breath that you have been doing Mm -hmm. with your uh, techniques. So what we do in yoga is all the time, inhale through the nose, make sure that you're not forcing it, but you're really aware and conscious that that diaphragm, yeah, it's popping up. It's really getting all that air. And then with the exhale, more forceful, but you have to stay somehow relaxed so you can really create that space so the body can move. Especially if you're going to do like a twist or a backbend or something like that. That's what I've been trying to do when I'm rolling. Mm-hmm. And the technique that I do is inhale, count up to five. If you can, ideally when you're doing yoga, nobody's trying to, you don't have anybody on top of you, you're not trying to do anything, it's just you, hold it a second or two and then exhale, push that diaphragm towards the spine and let the air out and move into the pose, engage into the pose. Sometimes it's not so ideal or maybe not so easy to do. During the roll, mm. especially if you're rolling with somebody that is peaking, not not peaking, but sensing, like what you were saying, like I I need to time his breathing so I can do my breathing the opposite and then go. Squeezy, yeah. Yeah. Cool. It's yeah, totally. And it's very hard, like, cause the times that I find myself like having that one two second of holding the breath. It's more noticeable that you're going to, whether inhale or exhale, you're like, oh, no. It's, and plus, you stop, and it's kind of like that mm. quiet time. It's one or two seconds, but you feel like it's 10 seconds of you thinking, what can I do to get under this guy? Because it's just killing me. But that's the that's what I use in yoga, whether it is doing um, the vinyasa flow or the yin variation of it or meditation. Yeah. And that's like kind of the breath. Inhale. And never gas for airs. Just in and out, subtle, five seconds in or count to five. It doesn't have to be like one, two, and then release it in five. Have you seen uh, holotropic? And breathing um, videos?
0: Have I did, you done it? I, I've tried it, right? But i got a shit, huh? <laughs> well, my, I, I get teeth. Oh. So okay. I do, when I do the breathing, yeah. it too much, it makes my teeth hurt.
1: Oh, but, that's hilarious. <laughs> I, I've
0: tried it a couple of times. I tried that. I played. I've got one of the training masks. Mm-hmm. I play with now and again. I got I've done one of those. More stuff. I think listen uh, and tried, as you were, as you were speaking. um trying to work out what. And I was listening to you when I was speaking, but I was also trying to think. Okay, how how does that compare to what I what I'm doing? And I think let's go back to we were talking about learning to breathe like a baby. Mm-hmm. Right? my uh, you've got two young girls. I've got two young girls. They don't think about their breathing, mm-hmm. and they breathe beautifully and they breathe perfectly. And my daughter can run and bounce and jump and tumble, and she's and she's fine. And she's like, yeah. "Daddy, let's go again. More. Let's go yeah. again, right?" And she never thinks about her breathing. So what I, I try to do, if I've got a particular part of a particular moment um, of I feel a bit out of breath, then I'll try and get some of the carbon dioxide out. But I'm trying to get the nose breathing as much as I can. And my mm-hmm. main focus is just focusing on in through the nose, out through the nose. As much as I can, yeah, as much as I can, because it's the most efficient way to breathe to get most oxygen into the body. keeps 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 the body calm. And I think when you nose breathe and the other person doesn't and they mouth breathe, I think you can put people off as well. They're mm-hmm. like, "What the fuck's wrong with this right. guy?" Yeah. Um, I've and the yoga thing of you know it, that makes sense with you know opening up the diaphragm and and to go into the positions right. So for yoga, that sounds like sounds like it works. And one of the lessons that you'll see in the course is I teach people to try and time their breathing with the movements. Less less. so, um, okay, when you go, I know for yoga, if you do a forward bend, you're going to breathe out. And as you come up, you breathe in. Because obviously mm-hmm. your diaphragm goes in and when you're bending forward, etc. I don't teach people to do that. It's more just try to time your breathing with the movements. And it could be, say, you're crawling. It could be four steps, one breath in, four steps, a breath out. Mm-hmm. So you're learning to kind of time the breathing with the movements. But when I'm when I'm rolling with jiu there's so many micro movements that you're doing and you're going around in so many different places that I think it's very, very hard to time the breathing like too much. Mm-hmm. And a dead giveaway for a lot of lower belts. And I think you, you definitely don't do this because you've got like, you know, your physical background is kind of, you know, very dialed in. But they'll you're on top of them, and they'll do and they'll do this <laughs> because and they're about to escape. I know they're about to escape because they breathe, 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 and tense because they're, they're about to, to breathe. Uh, they're about to try. Yeah, <laughs> and, then, and then I go okay, and then i I just go a little bit stronger, just for that half a second, and kill, and it kills their escape. Yeah, but I'm when I when I try to when I'm rolling in jiu-jitsu, I'm just focusing on breathing in and breathing out through the nose as much as possible and try to leave the, bo- the kind of the body take over. The body knows how to breathe. And there are certain moments where, okay, let's say we, we're, we're scrambling and try. someone tries to pass my guard or recover. I get my guard back and maybe I end up in closed guard. Now I know I'm in a position where, okay, I don't just relax. I, can get, I get my grips and I'm, I'm still kind of, I've got a relaxed tension to react mm-hmm. to them if I need to. But I learn to pick the moments where I go, okay, now I can leave my breathing, recover a little bit before I move. In most occasions, but there's also a time where I know he's recovering as well So from a pure just a fight perspective Take away kind of the flow in the breathing It's usually in those moments that if I can push through for another two or three seconds while he rests mm-hmm. is maybe when I can get an advantage. So that's a slightly different kind of yeah. Tangent that you go you can go on but I think as much as possible of Breathing in through the nose and out through the nose and every now and again when I feel out of breath I just push a little bit more air out okay. but try to get back to nose breathing as much as as much as I can. I don't want to do that too much and get rid of too much carbon dioxide, but I just want to fight as much as possible to breathe through the mouth. And it's not to say that I never breathe through the mouth. If I got someone like Chad, like he was an absolute monster, trying to kind of you know blow past me, I tried to stay relaxed and stay focused and, and nose breathe, but are you going to breathe through your mouth now and again? But as much as possible, try and bring it back to the nose breathing. So I'm not doing... In terms of like you're doing breathing for five seconds and mm-hmm. out for five seconds. If I'm doing like say crawling exercises or pull-ups, I'm trying to time my breathing and yeah, maybe I'll do a bit of a count, but I'm more controlled, I'm more focused on the quality of the breath in and breath out. But when I'm rolling, I do that a little bit less. Mm-hmm. I'm just kind of so I've trained my body as much as possible off the mat. So when I'm on the mat, I'm just in through the nose, out through the nose. The odd time I've got to breathe through the mouth try and get back to nose breathing. And I think just being present of that and focusing on the diaphragm and just go, you know, what's my diaphragm doing right now? Am I breathing from the chest or the diaphragm? But leaving the actual patterns and the actual timing to kind of take care of take itself, care of itself yeah. because the body does, mm-hmm. you know, we don't, we don't suddenly stop breathing when we go to sleep. Yeah. But the more we more, the more we train consciously the correct patterns of breathing the more we will do it subconsciously, it's like you you play you playing guitar, right? You um, let's say we just you know kind of you know just doing some twelve bar blues, and you, you you kick into a solo, no maybe you've probably got to start a couple of starting points that you use most of the time, and then you kind of you, you get you get to the chord change or whatever, and and then just something just takes over, right? And you don't really think about all of those things. But you've done it so many That's times. when you put everything comes together. Everything's just second nature. Yeah, yeah. it just kind of and it's it, it's it's like anything, right? It's, it's just it's pra- it's practice. But I don't think this comes naturally just from doing jujitsu. I think there's so many so many things that posture is another really good example. If you've got shit posture all the time because you work on a computer because you drive around all mm-hmm. the time. When you suddenly go on the mat, you're not miraculously going to have good posture. or totally. someone's going to pull your neck mm-hmm. down. So there's certain things that you we can that modern life has stopped us doing that we can train off the mat. Um, that's going to make
1: us, I think, yeah, more. that. that's effective one of the, on the things mat. I was noticing. I think last week or two weeks ago, I started watching videos of a lot of you guys compete, mm. and that's one thing that I noticed: your stance before you engage how proper it is the base mm. the angle your back how you're not hyper or over crouching everything it helps so much for your body to be ready to yeah. move to sprawl to do
0: whatever you need to do i like thought it's it's like a re- it's a relaxed tension and i find the more i focus on the kind of you know I'm, I'm, the better my breathing is i'm kind of like I don't, I, don't, I don't know what a good what a good analogy would be, but I'm not super tense to kind of react to it, but I'm not super relaxed. I've just got enough tension that I'm just re- that, that, that I'm kind of ready to, ready to mm-hmm. react to these kind of things. Um, I, there's probably a, better, a good analogy I could think of right now. I like think that. it
1: has to do a lot with that competition mindset or the competition state, that flow state that we were talking about. Mm-hmm. You're just so used to it. Once you step on those mats, you know what you have to do. So your body just everything clicks. Practice. Just like going on stage. So like most of the times you're just you don't you're not singing stairway to heaven and you're like, oh the next line is okay. See, it yes. just comes out because you've done it so many times. You've sang it so many practice.
0: times. You practice and practice. There's no shortcut. Everything is just second nature. Yeah. There's practice no, there's, there's repetition. No, there's no shortcut. It's all practice. Um but it's good practice, right? And there's errors that some people maybe correct. And I've got um really good find a really good friend of mine Ross Nichols. He's a big competitor back in the UK and he complete competes like every other weekend and has done for years. Wow. And you see him on his videos and quite often you see him smiling mm-hmm. when he's com- actually rolling and competing. And people are, you know, he said this, you know, you, people ask me, why do I smile when I'm competing? It's like so I'm just enjoying myself, right. right? But that just comes with he's been on the mats and been competed so many times, it's just become second nature. Yeah, that's what it is. That's what it comes it's from. It's
1: like one of the guys that has impressed me the most is Connor. Connor McGregor. Mm-hmm. It's just like so nonchalant about the whole situation. Half yeah. of the world is watching you. And you're just This shit is another day for me, baby. Let's go and get my money. Still going to defend his title, though, right? Hopefully. Um, I think I saw that they announced Khabib against Tony Mm. for October. So I guess he's not defending that one.
0: No, I think he's. No. Other than. I don't know. That's just weird. I think GSP. I love GSP. He's he's a true. Not to say Connor is not a true martial artist, but you listen to GSP speak. You listen to you know you read you read his book and understand he's got that balance of you know the physical attributes, the hard work, the the mindset, always always learning, and it's kind of that that complete mm-hmm. that complete picture of a fighter. You know, yeah. So he's, it's impressive.
1: He's incredible. It's amazing. It's you. Because with him, it was, first of all, to see, like, the good guy flourish and be the hero, not the bad guy, the asshole and all that. And then suddenly just, he didn't even fade away, like, he didn't get old, he didn't get slow or anything. And his statement was, like, the sport is infected with steroids. Yeah. So if if he's true to what he said and he wasn't on steroids... And he said, "I got to step back." He he did mention have family problems or whatever, but imagine how how good like his legacy would be like so much bigger. Because I don't think besides Johnny Hendricks knocking him out, I don't think the other guys could have done pretty much anything. I don't think even Rory could have beat him. No, he's awesome. He's so so good. And then to come back and do this, but I definitely want to see him fight because the sport just got just like saturated with guys that want to be connor Mm -hmm. and i don't want to see any more of that it just like i don't before i used to watch like the press conferences and the weigh-ins and everything and then connor came and it's fun to watch connor do that shit but the other guys and it has gone so bad that if you check on uh, weigh-ins for Ryzen or for any promotion that it's like a C category MMA promotion. Every weigh-in, every face-off is a push. It's a scream and shit. It's it's just like WWE. It's like, I don't want any more of that. I want yeah. GSB fighting whoever. yeah, You know, and make it a, a good fight. See who the best guy is. I love to see him fight uh Woodley. Yeah. Because he he can shut down that power with his takedowns. Yeah. That'll be pretty awesome. There's that's the thing I love about MMA. Mm-hmm. So you look at that roster and you're like, holy shit! I wish they they could like cross leagues. Bellator guys fight UFC and just unify titles. And the thing about the other promotions is that they don't have USADA controlling them.
0: Is that why? hmm
1: I don't think I don't know if Bellator. Has USADA or has third-party uh, controlling uh, substances, but Ryzen doesn't. Hmm. And Pride didn't have them. Pride Oh, yeah, yeah, totally. They were like, hey, you're good. Do you that. want some? You want some? <laughs> we got some. We got the best chance. Yeah, oh, yeah, we got fucking donkey steroids, a bull, horse, whatever, horse meat. Yeah. Anything else that you want to
0: add to Yeah, the the thought, when I was talking about, you know, focusing on breathing in through the nose, out through the nose as much as possible, the more that you fight that urge to breathe through the mouth when you're rolling, you'll feel like you want to gasp, but just, you know, know, force your body to breathe as much as you can is a big thing. One one really good way to train it is to get, like, a big gym ball, one of those Swiss balls. Mm -hmm. And there's different, I'm going to put a video out soon, actually, with some kind of ideas of how to move around one. Because they, they replicate a lot of the movements we do in Jiu-Jitsu. Okay. And you can set a timer for five minutes, and you can just bounce around and move around it. And just, it doesn't matter what movement you're doing, really. But you keep going, you keep going. And then when you f- when you feel the urge to want to breathe through the mouth, you kind of slow it down. Okay. And then you pick it back up again. So it's, a, it's quite a good tool to train yourself to... Um, Recognize Yeah, to recognize and because so you can up, up, up the pace and move you can do I suppose you could do with any exercise But that's a particularly good one to do because let's say you're doing running running is very You're not really thinking much about running so mm-hmm. You can just go along and pick up the pace and drop and drop the pace whatever the case may be But in jujitsu you're thinking so much about the movements you can forget about your breathing But with the gym ball when you start moving around it, if you don't if you stop thinking too much It's gonna throw you off so it's a good balance. It's, okay. a, it's a good balance of okay. I've got to think about my movement and focus on the movement and the breathing at the same time. So it's a good halfway house, and then start bringing it into your training. Right when you're doing your warm ups, when you're doing just focus on that nose breathing, and then just it's it's just about being it's practice and being aware of it. Right. Yeah. But, that, but the gym ball is a good tool to 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 train it in a gym ball is a great tool anyway. I think for jiu-jitsu particularly when you can't make it to the market. That um, you're talking about the big swiss medicine, medicine big, football, I right? call them a swiss ball as well yeah. but I think most people call them a the gym ball the big like you know you can't get your arms only kind of thing, big, big, you know, they're like 15, like 15 bucks and get it, you know, put it in your garden, in your garage. I just roll around it in the garage. Everywhere. Oh, you're
1: talking about stability ball.
0: Stability the, ball. The Swiss stability ball, yes. not the
1: medicine, the heavy one.
0: Yeah, the stability, okay. the stability ball, one of those. All right. Um, and I play around with it, like, all the time. It's a great tool. Oh, It's a cool. really, really, good tool to cool. move around. So if you go
1: to the website, you subscribe to the mailing list, and you're going to be getting four... Lessons plus a bonus. I maybe think? there's
0: a, maybe there's a secret surprise bonus lesson that I don't wanna I don't wanna support, support surprise uh-huh. for. But um yeah, go to the go to the website and what yeah, please and uh, it's good going to programs breathing breathing for BJJ is is the one. It's it's free. Throw me on, you know. But if you want, get the lessons, then unsubscribe, do what you want with it, right? Um, I, I don't really care, but it's when I you want know, I've got. The main thing I do with all the information I put out there and with the videos is when people leave a comment and go, oh man, I would, I would, this is just the thing I was looking for. Mm-hmm. I'm like, that makes me, that's that makes, it. That makes me really happy. That's the, that's the juice that's, of the whole that's, thing. That's, that's the main thing. Yeah. You know? it's, I think it's
1: pretty cool that now we have these tools. Like I was telling you, I fucking hate computers. Yes. If they weren't so necessary in our lives, I wouldn't have one. But at the same time, there's such a great tool now. I mean, with phones, you can have basically the same um, connections and reach or get uh, involved with the same people you can with uh, computers. But just having all this kind of material, you know, available to us. When I told you about, um, is it yoga for BJJ, the one that Sebastian Sebastian Bros. uh huh, and yeah. that you told me you met him, right? Yeah, you, you know yep. him. I think those programs are just like it's so it's so great to be Mm -hmm. like really teaching people how to take care of themselves a little better, more than just like you have to go and grind. You ever ever seen him fight? I was trying to watch some of his matches because I think he posted one. He just competed recently. I know.
0: I saw him the last. I've only met him once or twice because he's sponsored by the same. I'm. I'm. I'm kind of. Sponsored by Progress, but not officially. They kind of I know the guy, and I have out with some stuff. He helps me with the gear, so that's the geese I wear. But he's one of the sponsored athletes, so I saw him at um, at Am's okay. and we were both chatting to <clears> the <throat> James who who runs Progress. So I've I've, I've met him once or twice, but watched him fight a couple of times, and he moves in a very different way mm-hmm. to a lot of other fighters, he and he's teeth. He's, he's very good actually.
1: Oh yeah, I've His not, I've, is. I've, I've not had a chance to
0: roll with him. I'd love to roll with him. Um, he's he's very good. Yeah, dexterity. Mm. It's, I
1: bet. I I think I saw like a clip of him competing this last time that he competed, but didn't watch the whole fight. I really love to. It's crazy. I was, we were doing that uh, guard pass, where you put your weight on one of the legs, mm. and you just kind of like twist the guy while you're. Oh, rolling old, yeah from his leg yeah yeah and for me it felt like i was thankful for the guy giving me that stretch yeah. and when i was doing it on him i just put a little bit of weight and granted i don't even know how to manage my weight as proper as an advanced belt was could be but as soon as i put a little bit and started rolling the guy was like yeah, get off. just fucking pass they'll just move the leg and they'll just let you pass mm-hmm. because it's just the hips everything is so tight When he was on top of me, I was like, oh, it's glorious. Yeah, Yeah. it feels so different, but you know, to each their own. Professor, thank you so much, my brother. That has been great. Thanks for all the info. Guys, go to bjjstrength.com. Follow on Instagram at bjjstrength and uh, bjjsc for strength and conditioning on Facebook. But everything, uh, route you and it's all linked to the the website, website. Yeah. Subscribe uh, to the mailing list so you can get your breathing lessons for free. Maybe you'll get a fifth one. Maybe. (laughs) All right, my man. Thank you so much. Have a great night. See you tomorrow. Thank you. Thank you. Awesome.